0: Walk his radio. How did becoming a mum change you?
1: Oh, well, like all of us, I think it changes everything about your life. I know for me, I guess because my mum died so young, it really transformed how I made sense of that story and also I guess it really made me see for the first time from my mum's point of view mm. how sad that was that she wasn't around to be with us because to me... like for any mother that's your worst nightmare is not being there but you know on the plus side i definitely savor the heck out of them and even in my stressful moments i may not think this at the time but afterwards i always just remind myself this is such a privilege like to be here with them even when they're being complete turd burgers
0: (laughs) today we're talking to award-winning comedian jenny winter about life parenthood and some belly laughs hi jenny how are you Hi, I'm
1: great. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. Now, as I was saying before we started the interview, I'm based in Melbourne, so the concept of a crowd or an audience just seems completely foreign to me at the moment. But you've just completed your comedy tour, Funny Mummy Comedy Gala. How did it go?
1: Well, it was absolutely surreal and incredibly exciting. And I feel like the other mum comedians that I took on uh, the tour with me, we were all kind of feeling this weird survivor's guilt because it was (laughs) like we get to go out and, you know, be on stage again in front of audiences while so many of our colleagues and friends are still in lockdown. Um, But one of my friends in Melbourne actually I was chatting to before we went on tour and they were like, no, no, they were like, this is awesome because it shows us what might happen once lockdown stops here, so I kind of went, ah, oh, take a deep breath. Yeah, but, um, yeah, Arts Queensland up here released some last-minute COVID funding to get us back out on the road, and I can tell you we were so grateful to be there. The audiences were so grateful to have us as well. So it really was a bit of a Pollyanna-style love fest. It just... <laughs> Amazing and the communities we went to, we went to lots of small towns throughout Queensland were just incredibly welcoming and there was this real sense of goodness me, even though we're all in different parts of this country, we've all just gone through this crazy experience together and now let's just bloody get in a room and laugh. Yeah, it was exactly. Fantastic.
0: Was it like a bit like Mum's Gone Wild, the audience or?
1: Absolutely, less <laughs> less boob flashing but 100%. <laughs>
0: I can just imagine because I know that, you know, I would kill to get out and have a really good belly laugh now. It's just, you know, to get away from the hubby and the kids or just to get away and just have a bit of, you know, time with other mums would be amazing.
1: Oh, totally. And I think it was actually something that was so poetic about us kind of being the first people back out on the road because it felt like the mums who'd been in lockdown with kids, you know, doing the whole schooling from home thing, it seemed just perfect actually that... We're the ones that got to go and have a show and I feel like I was just, as soon as lockdown was ended, like one of those little cartoons where my legs just started going, (laughs) boom, I'm out the door. Yeah, so it was fantastic. I think we deserve it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, the tour coincides with the launch of your new book, Funny Mummy, which I'm currently reading. I haven't finished. I was hoping to before I interviewed you, but I found myself tearing up in the opening of your book. Can you tell us about it?
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, and i definitely started with the heaviest part, I think, of my story. Uh, so when I was little, my mum was a singer and a songwriter and a single mum too, actually. So was really, you know, doing the hard yards, trying to pursue her dreams while raising two little girls. And yeah, when I was five, she suddenly died and it was completely out of the blue. Uh, she had an aneurysm. She was otherwise like perfectly healthy young woman and um, yeah it was just completely devastating obviously to our family but I think set in forth set forth this sort of these events in motion that really led to me living a life of comedy which was yeah like unexpected but amazing and I think that's really been the theme of my life is using humor and laughter to kind of get through the darker stressful moments.
0: Mm, You found solace I guess in that in in being able to laugh did it take you did it take you a long time to be able to get to that point where you realized that laughter was helping i think that consciously i don't think i consciously realized
1: that i was using laughter as a coping mechanism i think it was more just I accidentally stumbled onto it. And when I did, I noticed that the mood in our house transformed so much because, Mm. you know, I went to live with my grandmother who raised us and, you know, obviously she just lost her daughter as well. So Mm. things were pretty heavy in that house for a while. But I noticed that, like, if I could stumble across something that made her laugh, how transformative that was and how happy that made me feel in that moment. And just that, I think that's the beautiful thing about laughter is it really takes a load off your shoulders, you know, You can feel the relief when you laugh during, even especially during a time that's really difficult. So I think it's more that I stumbled across it and then just became kind of addicted to it, I suppose. Mm. And it's only like uh, later in my life. So I worked as a clown doctor for about five years uh, and just finished up that a couple of years ago. But that was just really hammered that point home to me that, oh, my goodness, like laughing's not just this, nice thing if you can get it it's not a luxury i actually feel like i've seen firsthand how laughter just can totally shift a mood and actually how important it is for our mental health
0: yeah absolutely it really is um medicine now you're you've got six kids is that right
1: i do i've got it's insane even to say that i've got three that i made myself and then three that i outsourced to (laughs) my husband's ex Definitely recommend doing it that way, <laughs> much nicer.
0: <laughs> now, how did how did becoming a mum change you?
1: Oh, well, like all of us, I think it changes everything about your life. I know for me, I guess because my mum died so young, it really transformed how I made sense of that story. And also, I guess it really made me see for the first time from my mum's point of view mm. how sad that was that she wasn't around to be with us because to me well like for any mother that's your worst nightmare is not being there but you know on the plus side I definitely savor the heck out of them and even in my stressful moments I may not think this at the time but afterwards I always (laughs) just remind myself this is such a privilege like to be here with them even when they're being complete turd burgers (laughs) you know that there's a lot of people that would give anything to be there with their kids doing that so yeah, it definitely affected me in that way, just transforming how I feel about my my own mum. And also really I think the lesson that I got from my mum was that it's still really important to not make your entire life about your kids, you know, mm-hmm. that even she is a single mum in the 80s, which was I'm sure there's still a lot of judgement around mums doing stuff outside the home, but I think it would have been even more, you know, brutal back then. But that she still pursued that and even now, you know, I've still got recordings of her singing and, and so that's just a beautiful part of her legacy and I'm so in awe of her that she did that and, yeah, it's really inspired me to do that too.
0: Yeah, and and because you've kind of in a way followed a similar path. I mean, you're not singing but you're on stage and you're out in the evenings doing comedy and you refer to that in the book too, don't you, that that you, I guess, um, I don't know whether guilt's the right word, but you kind of grappled a little bit with being out in the evenings pursuing your career initially, but now you obviously realise that you do need a life outside of your children. Yeah,
1: that's right. And, I mean, uh, yeah, I absolutely do still grapple with guilt about it, which is, you know, insane because it's such a double standard and I would never judge anyone for doing that. And mm. I certainly know a billion dad comedians and nobody ever – I mean, even that I just referred to them as a dad comedian—that—that yeah. that doesn't happen. Whereas, <laughs> like, I'm immediately a mum comedian, you know? Like, exactly. it's, it's such a double standard. And the dad comedians, I have never ever heard an audience member come up to um a man and say oh so who's looking after your kids right now (laughs) that just doesn't happen whereas it's such a common thing so it's it's a battle I think to change that narrative in society but also within ourselves like I have to confront that in myself too and just go no like I'm not going to buy into that judgmental voice like I deserve to have my own identity and to be pursuing my things and I want my kids to see me doing that
0: yeah, and I think it is very much an internal um, narrative, isn't it? Like, I know I, I judge myself and I feel guilty, but I definitely don't judge other parents who are out pursuing their careers, but I, I'm hard on myself. Um,
1: so- oh, yeah, we're, we're our own worst critics. It's a real theme, I think, self-stigma.
0: Yeah, exactly. Now, I only have two key only. The two was plenty for me. <laughs> oh, that doesn't count then. <laughs> I'm still on my P's. They say that after, once you have your third, you're off your P's. So I was on my owls and then my P's. I'm still on my P's. But whenever I'm asked about motherhood, my advice is always just to completely lower your expectations or your standards. So as a mum of six, what's your parenting advice or hacks? Have you got any tricks?
1: Uh, I think absolutely accept that you're going to mess it up and mm. I think that there's no such thing as the perfect parent and I think even if you were, like say there was and you were the perfect parent, the kids are going to turn around and be like, I could never live up to you, you were perfect. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's just embracing that and trying your best and keep them talking, that's my that's my advice. Once they're teenagers, you can't control their choices but you mm. got to just keep them talking and the the final advice i would give you is just be a bit more silly i think we take it all a bit seriously sometimes i think have some remember to have fun with your kids put on a stupid voice or whatever it is you know be an idiot embarrass them i think it's great they're the things that kids remember you know not whether you had uh, I don't know, Ewok-shaped sandwiches in their lunchboxes.
0: Yeah, that's so true, isn't it? I mean, mine are tweens and teens now, so I'm definitely at that. Um, figuring out the new relationship and how things, I guess, kind of stand with them as they morph into trying to grow up and sort of push mum away with one hand but keep her close with the other. It's um, as much about my own resilience, I think, or more so my own resilience than theirs. Absolutely, and, and it's such a hard thing once
1: they start pushing back against you, but I think, you know, you can't take that personally. That's just part of it. Even though it feels deeply personal at the time, I think if you can find another mum who's at a similar stage or has been through that, I think go and chat to them and laugh through it because it's you'll realise how you, it, it's just so clichéd common. It's not yeah. funny, and it just makes you feel, yeah, just so much better about it if you can share that
0: yeah now how did you go with schooling kids six did you have all six with you were you school homeschooling all six kids
1: we weren't thank goodness Mm -hmm. no so we did a bit of a divide and conquer strategy so we had a couple of the kids at my husband's ex's place so she was taking charge of that and then we had uh three of the other kids at home and then my other daughter thankfully had left home so she Oh, not like I kicked her out, but no. <laughs> <laughs> thankfully, we made her leave. Uh, no, so she has, was at university this year, so she was kind of doing her own thing anyway. Um, yeah, but no, it was actually pretty good, and I feel bad saying that, but I really enjoyed it, actually, was just, um, yeah, the kind of relaxed routine that we got into, and we kind of sleep in every day and get up when we wanted to. And I think once our littlest, especially um, both John and I have an 11-year-old, Um, boy each, and because they were kind of on a similar schedule, and um, once they figured out that if you work hard, we can actually get this wrapped up a bit early, it was actually really great, because they were quite motivated, and yeah, so that side of it I loved. The only side that I really regret was we baked every single day, because I... (laughs) love baking and Mm. they loved baking and as a result i think we all put on about eight kilos in two weeks because we just kept eating brownies but apart from that it was quite
0: nice yeah the iso weight i don't think it counts i don't think there was hardly anyone in australia that did it or probably in the world that hasn't put on some iso weight
1: (laughs) i know i think we all just go yep this is the new normal it's just like we've got a little you know weird lens on our eyes that makes everything look a bit bigger but
0: that's fine yeah now five dollars from every book sale is being donated to friends with um friends with dignity which is a charity that assists survivors of domestic violence and that's a charity that i'm assuming from having read your book or the start of your book is very close to your heart
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, my mum was in a violent relationship that I've got uh, memories of still, even to this day, uh, before she died. So, yeah, and just experiencing the stress of that as a kid. And now that I'm an adult, obviously, I've made a bit of a different sense of it. But, yeah, this charity is amazing. So they're really there to support people who are trying to rebuild after uh, escaping those situations. And sometimes, you know, families leave and it's so hard to leave that's what I think I didn't understand when I was little Mm. and as I was growing up just thinking why didn't she leave him like why didn't she go and now thinking gosh it's just not it's not that simple it's so much harder than just you know this noble um, desire to go so yeah friends with dignity help people out with uh, accommodation and getting furniture and nice things for the kids and yeah it's just fantastic but you know and, and I think the word dignity is so important in that because there's so much shame and stigma associated with being in a situation like that. So I think something that gives people back their dignity with practical support is just so beautiful.
0: Yeah, so important. So as I said, $5 from every book sale is going to Friends with Dignity. Where can listeners find their copy of Funny Mummy?
1: Probably the best way is to just go to my website, which is jennywinter.com and winter with a Y, uh, W-Y, uh, or we also are at funnymummies.com and people can jump on there and join. We have an amazingly active Facebook group as well, which is just mums from all around the world just posting stuff to make each other laugh. And it's a closed group. Like I've deliberately kept it closed so that we make sure that it's, you know, cool and kind and lovely and it is. Um, but yeah, everything is on there.
0: Beautiful. Okay, so that was Funny Mummy's uh, group, close group on Facebook. Head over and join it. I'm going to do that today. And Jenny. your uh, website, JennyWinter, wynte rcom We'll pop all of the links in our show notes as well. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jenny. Oh, pleasure. Thank you so much.
1: Yiddlewockers Radio.